everybody. Welcome to Utterly Astounded, where eschatology meets current events meets real life. At least my regular real life at home here in Southern California. Welcome to this episode titled No Justice for All. So we know that lawlessness increases in the last days. That's something we've been promised in scripture. So I know I've expected it. And if you know what the Bible says, you do too. So I I expected it. But what I didn't see coming was that the lawless lawmakers would be voted in in order to usher in the lawlessness. That has been a big surprise. So it's not enough that man is individually what it says in Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. Man is a sinner by nature. That's bad enough. But now you have wicked men voting in wicked lawless men in order to perpetuate more lawlessness. That isn't the way I thought it was going to go. I thought people were going to go off the rails, but that the police and the military would try to contain them, but the lawlessness would be so bad it wouldn't work. I never considered the lawmakers or the ones who were supposed to uphold the law would abdicate. But we have a stunning example of that in L.A. County the county right next door to mine. There is a new district attorney, his name is George Gascon, who has submitted a list of crimes that his office will no longer prosecute. And it's very troubling and very disheartening, especially when, well, we know the list in 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 4, but know this, in the last days, perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, and the list goes on. Dangerous time periods will increase in frequency and intensity as the return of Christ gets closer. So I'm not surprised all of this is happening, but I am surprised at how it's happening. Any person who believes in making it harder for criminals to be prosecuted, and this also falls in line with the whole defund the police movement, you may think that you're rational and have common sense, but I promise you, you are deceived by satanic forces. You are in a spiritual malaise and you have been blinded. There is no other explanation for this. The 20th century was the most murderous in recorded history. So why would you vote to restrain the restraints on this murderous generation? And I also ask this question, and this is just sidebar, but if man is so progressive and increasing and evolving in their love for one another, why are they murdering each other as quickly as they can? So you don't remove restraints under those conditions. If anything, you want to increase them. And of course, as believers, we love righteousness and adherence to the law. As long as it doesn't violate God's word, that's where the split comes in. But in Hebrews 1.9, it says, You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. That's describing Jesus as the one who loves righteousness and hates lawlessness. So in an article all about this new DA... Steve Cooley, who was the L.A. district attorney from 2000 to 2012, had a lot to say about this incoming DA. And Steve Cooley created the 
DA's Animal Cruelty Prosecution Program. <laughs> so he noted that the LA City's recent defunding, of course, of LAPD, including the Animal Cruelty Task Force, which collaborated with the LA Animal Services, that's going to effectively be disbanded. You know, how, how much time are people going to have to go stop cockfighting? you know, or pit bulls against one another when murderers are running free. I don't know. So Cooley said that the revision of law enforcement would result in actually a lot of disbanding of programs and that the gal who was actually there, Jackie Lacey, had continued those things. She's been ousted, but those continued during her tenure and she was DA from 2012 to 2020. And it's funny because I think there are a lot of progressives who, I'll be very frank, like animals more than they do people and care far more if a dog gets run over than a person does. I mean, it's sad to say, but true. But if you're a progressive and you voted for this man uh, and you're an animal activist, that doesn't make much sense, which it also makes no sense regarding defunding the police, which we'll get to more of that later. But the things that the police will no longer be able to handle are things like the animal cruelty program or the things that the social justice warriors complain about, uh, sexual assaults or hate crimes. All of that is going to go out the window because the police will have to spend whatever funds that they have dealing with violent crimes. So Gascon, the former, he was the former San Francisco DA. Why do we keep shuffling bad leaders around from one city to another? He apparently defeated, I'm beginning to wonder if he really did defeat her and the election was rigged just like everything else that's going on in this country, defeated incumbent Jackie Lacey in the election. She was the first African-American and the first woman to be elected LA County DA and had served in many capacities during her long career as a prosecutor. So what happened to identity politics? It would seem the progressive stance would be keep with the minority, the black female, not some regular white guy, just an observation. Again, maybe it's rigged, just like everything else that's going on. So when asked about Gascon practicing law, Cooley, the guy, the animal activist guy, responded, Gascon's attended law school, passed the bar exam, and that was the end of his legal career. He has never appeared in court as a prosecutor, although he has spent the last nine years as the San Francisco DA. Gascon's statement on his qualification to be the DA was really sort of interesting because he kind of admits that he doesn't really have that much experience doing it, but rather he says that running the office is different than cases on the floor. It, it's a different skill set. He says, I believe I have the organizational skills and I have an understanding of the criminal justice system, not only today, but this is the key phrase, but where we need to be in the future, like lawlessness. The future under this guy is bleak. So herein lies one of the most basic flaws with George Gascon being the chief prosecutor in San Francisco. This is from a woman who worked with him. She said, when the head of our office hasn't spent a day in our shoes and never cared to understand what a courtroom prosecutor does, you don't, you don't get what you need to succeed, and it's demoralizing. She said there's a reason why San Francisco Superior Court tries misdemeanors at a rate 19 times higher than any other county in the state, and why there are more homicides older than four years, still waiting for trial, 
other than any other county in the Bay Area, it's because of a weak DA's office without the true courtroom leadership. So some of the statistics in Gascon's last term, approximately 61 of the 140 or so attorneys left the San Francisco District Attorney's Office, 24 in the last eight months of 2019 alone, and states, I left too the office in 2017, this woman goes on to say, because it became increasingly difficult to be a prosecutor under Gascon's leadership. And the Public Policy Institute of California released a study in 2019, which found that San Francisco had the third highest rate of violent crime in the state and the highest property crime rate, although it ranks at only 46th in arrest rates. I'm going to say what I wrote in a post regarding this, because this is what the scenario will look like with all of these crimes not prosecuted. So... A drunk person, even a minor, because public intoxication will no longer be prosecuted, has an extremely loud party that keeps the neighbors up all night. Well, disturbing the peace will no longer be prosecuted. He runs up and down the street high on drugs, use of drugs and paraphernalia, not prosecuted, screaming that he's going to blow up the neighborhood and kill everyone. Making criminal threats, no longer prosecuted. Jumps in a car without a license and drives to a friend's house. You won't be prosecuted for driving without a license or a suspended license. He picks up a prostitute along the way because loitering for the intent of prostitution is no longer going to be prosecuted. Only he's confused and enters someone else's house and trashes it for fun because trespassing will no longer be prosecuted. The police show up and he resists arrests and runs, but that's okay. They won't chase him because resisting arrest is no longer going to be prosecuted. Welcome to Los Angeles, the city of angels. So this is all part two of the defund the police movement. If, if someone can get away with resisting arrest, that what else are you going to do? The criminal runs from the cops goes running into society, and he or she is going to be able to do that and suffer no consequences. And it's even on a micro level, right? There's macro levels and micro levels. I was in Target not that long ago, and I noticed that there was this man who was rolling his cart around kind of in the same pattern as I was going up and down the aisles we were a little bit in tandem, not really tandem, but following one another, if you will. But I noticed that he wasn't putting anything in his cart. You know, he's kind of strolling by, maybe looking at a few things, but nothing, nothing in his cart. And I thought that that was just a little bit strange. So I was going out at the same time that he was, and he was in front of me, but I was headed for the cashier. But this man was not. He was basically headed for the door. And I saw that underneath his sweatshirt in the back, the shape of a wine bottle. So I said to the target man who was standing there, I said, you know, that man is about to walk out the door and he has a wine bottle shoved up his sweatshirt. And the employee nods. Yep. Yep. I see that. Yep. Pretty much. I said, well, aren't you going to do anything about it? And he said, well, no, no, corporate says we can't. Oh, corporate says you can't, huh? No, no, no. 
What if the wine bottle drops out of his sweatshirt and the glass breaks and he slips and he gets hurt? He could sue us. Said, wow, that's what you're, that's what you're learning in your staff meeting? So I said, okay, so that means, and I look at my cart. So that means basically that I could walk out the door right now. Is that what you're saying to me? I can, I can just walk out the door because you're not going to stop me. And he sort of shrugged. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, if I wasn't a Christian woman who had to answer to God, I would have I would have walked out the door for no other reason but just to prove the point. Just to prove the point. If this person is allowed and you're doing equity for all, then I am allowed. I guess as long as it's not over $900, and I guarantee you I did not spend that much at Target, maybe 100 But we're allowed to walk out the door. So if you're listening to this and you're not an honest person or a Christian who's going, who doesn't think they're going to answer to God, then, you know, I don't know if you've heard that rule, but you are free to go to a store. If it's under $900, you are allowed to rip it off and walk out the door. And it's a misdemeanor, I think, from now on. It is no longer a felony. So that's just for free. But that is what we're headed toward. That's what that's where we are. And that's where we're headed even further with that. But the Bible is very, very clear about the role of authority and law enforcement. Romans 13, 4 says, For he, those who are governing authorities and law enforcement, is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. They're God's ministers for good. The police officers, the DAs, are supposed to help restrain evil, protect life and property. And there are rogue cops, of course. Yes, like in every profession, that doesn't negate their incredibly important role. Psalm 82.3 says, defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. We need law and order and the police department for those things to be upheld. By the command of God, we need to protect the innocent. The most vulnerable people need the police. And I find it fascinating in a horror movie sort of way that people are pushing this community policing idea. And I just heard about uh, my neighboring town of Simi Valley. They they actually did this when they were first developing in 1971, and it didn't work. So I'm quoting from an L.A. Times article. This is an L.A. Times article from 1989. The Simi Valley Community Safety Agency. That's what they called themselves. Is that not the cutest name ever? And that's really kind of the problem because it sounds like something from Sesame Street. So they ditched their regular uniforms because those were too stern and aggressive looking. No more police uniforms. No, we can't have that. They wore green blazers, hid their guns, and drove sedans instead of squad cars. So you can see the scenario. And the city manager said at the time that it was a positive idea because There was a negative attachment to the police and what their service to the community meant. Doesn't that sound familiar? So they called themselves safety agents. (laughs) I just love that. We are the community of Simi Valley. And this group, we're not police officers. We are safety agents. So one of the lieutenants, he says, I was on watch and I made a traffic stop. This is Lieutenant Dick 
Thomas, I'm just again quoting the article, recalled, I got out of my white car wearing my green blazer and I asked the driver for his license and he was very polite and very accommodating. But at one point he said, excuse me, can you really do this? I thought only policemen could write tickets. How funny, what a law-abiding citizen that that person was. But it, it was confusing everybody. It took away the police officer's respect and authority, and the community safety agency then reverted to traditional law enforcement methods and appearances. They went back to their real uniforms by the mid-1970s. Of course they did. Experiment, tried, and failed. Berkeley is considering a proposal, and I don't know if they're doing this yet, but I know it was on their city council agenda, to shift traffic enforcement from armed police to city workers. And we talked about that, I talked about that in episode one about paying attention to your city councils. Now they have a committee tasked with police reform, of course, to, to, to put that forward. So a transportation department to handle transportation projects, as well as enforcement of parking and traffic. I wonder if they'll call it the Berkeley Community Safety Agency. And again, that was earlier this year. I can't find any evidence of whether or not that they followed through with that. I really hope that they didn't. I hope somebody came along and spoke some wisdom into that debacle. But in a joint statement, the police unions of L.A., San Jose, and San Francisco said that reckless driving, speeding, driving while under the influence, those are all dangerous traffic enforcement violations. Yeah, police officers get killed and ambushed in those situations. And I don't know about you, but I am not pulling over for some city worker driving a Prius. I can, I can totally picture that, especially if I was in Berkeley, right? Some guy with a puka shell necklace wearing a rainbow vest over his Fidel Castro t-shirt tries to pull me over and write me a ticket. I am not stopping for that person. And don't lie, neither are you. You are not going to pull over for some city worker in a Prius. I just dare you. I don't believe it. And one of the guys actually along with this city council or in the city council with some kind of abolitionist group called Critical Resistance. I love it because everything's always so critical. Critical race theory, critical resistance. It's critical. Said not only remove police from traffic enforcement, but also get rid of fines and fees, of course, because the argument that you only get pulled over if you're poor. That's the only reason anybody ever gets pulled over is because they're poor. How you could tell that when you're pulling somebody over, don't ask, but that's what they think. So there's no fine. There's no consequence. They're just going to talk to you and tell you to slow down and let you go. Again, nobody's pulling over for these people. So also on the agenda, they wanted to... And I say this about Berkeley because it's all every time coming to a city near you especially from California, you know, we're the, we're the <laughs> pillar of uh, great laws being passed by our city councils, just, you know, stuff and nonsense coming out of the states. So on the agenda, they include removing the police department from responding to calls involving homelessness or mental illness, right? That's the other thing that they're putting forward. 
Well, they want to call in a social worker or a mental health worker when someone calls 911, right? We've heard about this. This is the proposal floating around. Well, I worked at a school for emotionally disturbed students for 22 years. I worked at the school and I worked at the residential homes. And these were at-risk, volatile kids with all sorts of psychiatric labels. We were the mental health professionals, the therapists, the social workers. Many times we had to call the police because we couldn't stop that kid from losing it and being a threat to themselves or someone else. And these kids knew us. And in most cases trusted us. We had a relationship with them and we couldn't get them to comply. What does that tell you? You're going to send some psychologist that this person doesn't even know to the scene and expect success? That is truly madness. So again, the local government is more and more important when we look at what's happening across the the country, the city, the county, the district you're in is making a big difference to your quality of life. Write your city council, pay attention to what's happening. And you know what? Maybe run for office. I, I've said before that I don't think it's really our role as Christians to get political. But if you have time, if you have the time and you have the wherewithal and you can put forth the effort, maybe that's a good thing. Get on the city council and give these people the what for. Good grief, they need it. We have to uphold what is righteous and lawful and God-honoring. So just a little look back. We are at the end of 2020 and all of the madness that has happened this year. But even thinking about the the riots, and this is, of course, connected to defunding the police, but you know, there were there, riots are nothing new. They've been happening since the Apostle Paul's time and even before that. But the riots that we had here in America, like in 65 and 67 and even 94, the riots, the Rodney King, I was here for that. I was smack in the middle of L.A. for that in 1994. But those were largely confined to one metropolitan area. So the destruction and the, and the looting with Floyd's death was reported in at least, it was at least 25 cities, and it spread to suburbs too. And then, of course, it went global. And we're still dealing with it. And it's progressively more aggressive. I still don't know if Portland has settled down. I, I actually have to check that out. I don't know. I haven't, I haven't seen whether or not they finally stopped. But it's being felt everywhere, everywhere. And with the older people, like my like my parents, like my mom wanting to get a gun. I mean, she's 81 and everything that she's seen in life, now she wants to get a gun. Well, I understand why she's saying that because you feel like you can't defend yourself against the onslaught of the madness. So my dad did not get her a gun, a real gun, but he got her a pink made in China stun gun. So and my mother will use it. She will use it. There's no doubt about it. So I, I wouldn't want to meet her in the parking lot of Walmart because things could get crazy. But the whole point is when I see the older generation and I hear what they're saying, and it's actually very sad because they're feeling so threatened in this day and age more than they ever were their whole lives. I mean, that tells you the tenor of the fear that is happening. And when I see the the protesters and the rioters and them reaching a fever pitch and screaming vile and 
and the deafening profanity in the faces of the police officers that happened throughout the the summer. You know, I don't e- I know they don't even know that they're doing this, but they're raging against God. They just think it's the police officer, but they're raging against the authority that's put in place by God and they're raging against him. Romans 13:1 through 2 says, "Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. The only exception, of course, is when obedience to the civil authority would require disobedience to God's word. So we've seen it. We've been in a crucible of that, right, this summer, because our church, of course, has said the government is saying this about not meeting, but we have to defy that because God says to meet. So we've, I've never had to do that. I've never been in a situation where the governing authorities have said something contrary to scripture and we found ourselves in this place. It's really so the book of Acts. Because in Acts 4, 19 through 20, but Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge when they were told not to speak of Christ anymore, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So a Christian obeys governmental authorities, but when the government runs contrary to God's word, then God must be obeyed. But again, this is none of this is surprising. Lawlessness increasing is not surprising. The last of the last days, we know that this is going to happen. And I'm convinced that Christ is coming back soon. And I think that it's interesting that the first time Jesus came, there was an increase in demonic activity. And it only matches that upon his second coming or before he comes again to rapture the church, there will be an increase in demonic activity. I think the demons are restless. So just kind of in conclusion, I want to look at Isaiah 3 and then some a little bit of Micah. But this this portion of scripture, I think this is so interesting in terms of what is happening today. And again, it's prophetic. So you got to be careful in terms of context of what's happening here. But Isaiah who, call, who God called to prophesy in 739 BC. He was looking to the end of time, the day of the Lord, the time of Jacob's trouble. There is a near and a far fulfillment. The near fulfillment of that prophecy or partial fulfillment was the fall of Jerusalem in 586 BC. The final fulfillment is prior to Christ's second coming. But it's interesting that the core problem in Zion was overt rebellion against the Lord, sinning with no effort to conceal it. Hmm. Some of the parallels to our time are really riveting. Isaiah 3, 4 says, And I will make mere lads their princes, and capricious children will rule over them. AOC comes to mind in that verse. 5. And the people will be oppressed, each one by another, and each one by his neighbor. The youth will storm against the elder, and the inferior against the honorable. That is so true. That is an encapsulation of what we are seeing in our society right now. When a man lays hold of his brother in his father's house, saying, You have a cloak, you shall be our ruler, and these ruins will be under your charge. He will protest in that day, saying, I will not be your healer. For in my house there is neither bread nor cloak. You should not appoint me ruler of the people." For Jerusalem has stumbled and Judah has fallen because their speech and their actions are against the Lord to rebel against his glorious presence. The expression of their faces 
bears witness against them, and they display their sin like Sodom. They do not even conceal it. Woe to them, for they have brought evil on themselves. So when leadership crumbles like this, (laughs) judgment is against the nation. That's the whole truth of it. Insolent, capricious children will rule over the elders, ill-suited for leadership and incompetent when you have mayors that let police precincts burn to the ground, when you have mayors that bow their knee to an angry mob. When I saw Mayor Garcetti in LA kneel in submission to people who were raising their fist to heaven in all-out rebellion toward God, I mean, you really have to think of it that way. And he's bowing down before them. And if that is true, and that is true about our city, and that is true about our leaders, we are in a world of hurt. And so this scripture basically talks about no one will want to be a ruler eventually because the anarchy will be so bad. In 2 Thessalonians 2, 7 through 9, it says, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work, right? Paul wrote that letter in 51 AD. So the the mystery of lawlessness has been at work for quite some time. And scripture goes on to say, only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. So that's all referring to the Antichrist, which I'll do a full episode on later. But right now, the restraining force holding back Satan from the final apostasy is ultimately God's power, of course. But he could be using human government, the preaching of the gospel, the church, Michael, the archangel, All of that is at his disposal that he could be using to restrain the ultimate apostasy. But we have the spirit of lawlessness prevalent in our society, and it's been for quite some time. But now the difference as it relates to the last days is that it's happening in the leaders. The the leaders are ushering in the lawlessness. Again, that is what I did not see coming. People, regular citizens flipping out and and creating mayhem, etc. Yes, I I thought that that would be coming, but I didn't see voting in people who would completely disregard the law themselves and pervert it. So, I'm thinking about Micah, if you can tell, I'm a fan of the minor prophets, but so much of what they said and what was happening then is a applicable to our country. And Micah wrote in the 700 BCs, and he was directing his words to the Southern Kingdom, the Judean kings at the time. He was warning that their corruption was in every form of government, the judges, the prophets, the politicians. And he says, hear this, you leaders of the house of Jacob, you rulers of the house of Israel, who despise justice and distort all that is right. It wasn't that they just had neglected their duty, but they were actually perverting justice. And he uses a very graphic image when he says, the corrupt justices tear the skin from my people and the flesh from their bones. They were, they're feeding on those that it was their responsibility to defend. And I see that today. And there would come a day when these very people who perpetuated these crimes would cry out to the Lord for mercy. They would be appealing to the highest court, which is God, but God would not answer. And he was going to treat them the way that they treated the innocent people. So leaders and judges and governors and mayors and DAs 
who aren't just perpetuating lawlessness, but perverting justice. It's infiltrated at the very core of our society. And Micah tells these people who are outwardly religious, but inwardly sinful, you should know what you're supposed to do. What does God require? Micah 6.8 says, do justly, love mercy, walk humbly with God. Don't see much of that going on in our day. He didn't then, we don't see it now. So we're going from justice for all to no justice for anybody. But the beauty of, of all of this is that everything we see proves God's word to be true. It's truth. We have to say that when we see the, the things that are happening and we get so discouraged, we can't be afraid because all of this proves that he is Alpha and Omega and scripture is God breathed. It's all coming to pass just as he said it would. So strengthen your weak knees, like I said to myself, strengthen your weak knees and and look forward and take that to heart that that it's happening, yes, but doesn't that even give you greater faith and understanding that God said it would happen, it's true, we can depend on him. When Micah is sorrowing over Israel's sins, he says, Do not trust in a friend. Do not put your confidence in a companion. Guard the doors of your mouth from her who lies in your bosom. For son dishonors father. Daughter rises against her mother. Daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies are the men of his own household. Therefore, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. And that is another truth that is coming to pass now. I've never seen so much turmoil in families before where people are just at each other's throats. And it's absolutely true. Sons dishonoring fathers, daughters rising up against their parents. I have seen some stuff that's happened just with the riots and the whole social justice movement where these kids are screaming at their parents with a rage, a demonic rage. I'm going to just say it like that. It's true. It's a demonic rage that they are spewing at their parents. And I'm like, man, somebody just just opened up the gates of hell and let these teenagers loose. What is the deal? But it's absolutely true. And it is absolutely part of the end times. So Think about what Micah said, though. Therefore, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. God will hear me. And he hears you, Christian. Believe your God. Believe what you know to be true. Echo the words of Micah. My God will hear me in the midst of injustice and lawlessness and DAs that let criminals go free. I think of those minor prophets and what they had to endure and what they had to watch. But God... But God gave them the strength and the courage to say, I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. That's it for now. Please join me for my next episode. And thanks for listening. 